Jesus. All right, all right. Good morning, Metro Praise International Church. Welcome to our Sunday ordination. It's good to have everybody here, families and friends that are here specifically for those that are getting ordained. Thank you for joining us. And for the rest, we always are, uh, it's our pleasure to have you all here. If we can all please stand as we get ready to get into the presence of the Lord. I'm Pastor Berta, one of the pastors here on Staff MPI Church. We like to start our Sunday with a testimony. Like always, and this morning we have our sister Amanda. Let's give her a hand. So God's just been doing a lot in my life, and um, I'm actually getting married in two months, and it's been very stressful. <laughs> it's been very stressful for me. Um, some girls dropped out, and I've just been having a lot of trouble in school. But praise God, because he's given me the wisdom in order to decide what classes to take, to decide what I'm going to do next in um, planning my wedding and everything. So... Um, I just want to give you guys a scripture that's just helped me this week alone. And it says, it's James 1, 5 through 8. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generosity to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all their ways. So, Father God, I just pray, Lord, that you just give us the wisdom that we need, Lord. Father God, that you just allow us to make the choices that we need every day, whether it be life-changing or anything small, Lord, that you just stay in our hearts, Lord, that you that we don't get distracted by this world and start thinking for ourselves, Lord, but we come to you and everything that we need. We just ask this in your almighty name. Amen. You came. You came to set the captives free. You came to bring the silver to my sin and my rejection, and your blood and my acceptance. Now I'm alive to bring you praise. It when the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. When the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Every chain is broken through you, Jesus. When the Spirit of the Lord is there, is free you say, Whoa. 
has covered every sin. Your grace empowers me to win. My pain and my oppression, your blood and my acceptance. But now I'm allowed to believe.
Jesus to be in your presence. There's no place I want to be. A father to the fatherless, to fill your unbelief. A freedom for the prisoner. We will sing that again. A father to the fatherless, to fill your unbelief. A freedom for the prisoner. This is God in His holy place. This is God clothed in love and strength. We sing now, lift your voice and cry out. Awesome is our strong God, mighty is our sing out. Sing out, lift your voice and cry out. Awesome is our strong God, mighty is our God. You're with us through the wilderness, faithful to provide. Yes, every breath and every step. For you're with us, with us in the wilderness, faithful to provide every breath and every set. We, this is, this is God in His holy place. This is God.
The drums and voices sing it out. For my life, oh, he 
Start now. When I look back on my life, you've never let me down. Oh, Jesus will never fail you. Oh, he's never and he won't. Speak that to your heart this morning. Come on. He'll never let you down, church. Oh, Jesus will never. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never let you down. You're never going to let me down. Because you are good. You're good. Jesus, it's in your nature, it's who you are, you're good, oh, you are good, hallelujah, Jesus, you're so good this morning, oh God, we thank you that we could come before your throne of grace with boldness and with confidence. We celebrate your victory today, Jesus. Come on, church, have you tasted and seen that God is good? Because the Bible tells you to do that. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So we're gonna keep on singing, you are good. And I want you to think about areas of your life that he has been good to you in. And I want you to thank him. And I want us to explode in this place with an attitude of praise. Come on, you are good, Jesus. Tell him, you are good, God, in my family. You have been good, Jesus. You are good, oh God.
Hallelujah. You're so good, Jesus. You are good to us, oh God. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for our family, oh God. We thank you, Jesus, that in your presence there are pleasures forevermore. We thank you, oh God, that you are in control of our nation and the events that will take place, God, here in a couple of days. You are good, oh God, in how you rule and how you reign. You are good, oh God, in your judgment. You are good, oh God, in what you do and what you say. And we celebrate you today, Jesus. We, your people, your sons and your daughters, we cry out. You are good, and we love you, and we thank you. Come on, church, love on Jesus this morning. Tell him how much you love him. Come on, in your own words. You don't always need to be a, have a cheerleader next to you. Come on, in your own words right now, take 30 seconds. Tell him how much you love him. You don't need to keep being pushed on with instruments and the musicians. Lift up your voices in this room. Tell your king, tell your savior how much you love him. Jesus, I love you, oh God. You are the lover of my soul. You refresh me, Jesus. You mean more to me, oh God, than anything in this world could ever do, could ever give. Nothing in this world compares to you. You are so beautiful. You are so beautiful, Jesus. I love you, oh God. I love you, Abba Father. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for the wisdom that you give. I thank you for redeeming my life. Come on, thank him. I thank you, Jesus, for making me new. I thank you, oh God, that your mercies are new every morning. I love you for that, Jesus. I love you, Lord that the peace that you give surpasses my understanding. It guards my heart and my mind. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. I thank you, O oh God, that your promises are yes and amen. I thank you, Jesus, that everything that we face, every mountain that is in front of us, that by faith we can lift it up and throw it into the heart of the sea and know that it is finished. I thank you for your power. I thank you, Holy Ghost, for the power of God that is inside of us. We worship you today. We love you today. And we thank you, Jesus. Come on, lift up your hands. Lift up your voices. Clap your hands. Woo! We serve a good, good God. We bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Won't you guys give a high five to your neighbor as you find your way to your seats? The ushers can begin to pass out the elements for communion at this time. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. We thank you all for joining us here at Metro Praise International this morning. This is a special service in more ways than one. God has been so faithful. We're going to partake in communion together in a few moments. We're going to be celebrating some of our graduates from the discipleship program that we have, ordaining them as deacons. God is so faithful. We serve a good, good God. The reason why we take communion on the first Sunday of every month is because this is an ordinance that we practice as the body of Christ to remember Jesus for what he has done for us. And I want to share this message to you from 1 Corinthians. I believe it's I don't see the chapter up there. We'll get it at the end. You don't have to move it. 
This is the Apostle Paul sharing this with the church in Corinth. And I picked the passage of Scripture pertaining specifically to communion today. Because I want to encourage those of you in this room who are not right with the Lord to get right with Jesus today. Before we partake of this communion as the body of Christ, I want you to make sure that you are a part of the body of Christ and that you've accepted Jesus and the forgiveness that he gives for your sins. Because if you have not been born again by his blood, by the new birth that only he could give, that you are not right with God today. And there's only one of two places that we will all spend eternity. It's either eternity in heaven or it will be eternity in hell. And you cannot get up there and say, well, I was a good person and I went to church sometimes and I raised my family right. I raised my family as best as I could and I took them to Disney World and, and I did this and I did that. But if you have not been born again, my friend, that will not be enough. Nothing good, no righteous deed that we could ever do on this earth will get us a ticket into heaven. We will all stand alone. You will not have your wife, your husband, your children by your side. It will be you and Jesus, and you will be faced before his throne, and you will have to give an account for every word and deed that you did on this earth. And if your words and deeds have not been covered by the blood of Jesus, you will not make it in. Because if you did not want to live your life for him here on the earth and give him your praise and your life as a sacrifice, you will not want anything to do with him in heaven. And the most important thing is he will not want to have anything to do with you because you didn't want to have anything to do with him here on earth. So let's read this, chap this portion of scripture in 1 Corinthians. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 26. I want to give an opportunity for you right now, if you're not right with Jesus, with all eyes closed all across this room, I want to give you an opportunity to accept that Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood. His body was given for you so that you can receive eternal salvation. You can be saved on this earth and look forward to the glorious hope and inheritance that he has for us when our life here on this earth is done. So I'm going to pray for you and I want you to come in your life to Jesus as I do. Come into agreement with this prayer and surrender your all to God and let him make you new. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity that we all have to hear the gospel message. We want to remember you today, Jesus, as your church for the blood that you shed and the body that you gave. You gave yourself up for us so that we could have eternal life. And we remember that today. And I pray for those in this room who have not been living according to your commands, who have not accepted your free gift of salvation, that today they would repent. Today they would ask for forgiveness. They would be convicted of their sin and turn from their wicked ways so that they can be saved and receive salvation. 
in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Please stand up to your feet with me. Let's prepare to uh, take communion together as a church family. Let's pray for the wafer. You guys can hold it up. Lord, we thank you for this wafer today that represents your body that was beaten and whipped and bruised for us, the crown of thorns that was placed upon your head. We thank you, Jesus, for taking our place and making a way for us to have a relationship with, again, with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. We thank you for redeeming us, for paying the ransom, oh God, that we could not pay. We remember your body today, oh God, and we thank you that you died and rose again. Let's partake of the wafer. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Our Lord, we lift up this grape juice, God. We thank you that this symbolizes the blood that you shed on that cross. The blood that washes our sins as white as snow. We thank you for this blood, oh God, that makes us clean that has redeemed our life, that heals us from our sicknesses. On that cross, oh God, you took our sins, our sicknesses, and our sorrows. And we thank you that we could be under the blood today. In Jesus' name, let's partake of the grape juice. Jesus paid Hallelujah. Let's then turn to an attitude of worship again as the ushers come through to discard of this. You guys can lift up your hands. Let's worship again one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus paid it all to him I Sin had left a crimson stain. Come on, if Jesus did this for you, come on, lift up your voices and your hands all across this room. He paid it all for us. We had the stain of sin upon us and he took it away. Oh, church, Jesus paid. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. And oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life. Yeah. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you that you've made dead bones live again. We thank you for new life, oh God. We worship you today. We give you all the praise and the glory and the honor that is due your name. Come on, give it up for him, church. Woo! We praise you, Jesus. We thank you, oh God, for redemption. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you guys ready to confess our confession of faith together? Come on, the reason why we do this every week is because this is our Christian worldview. This is the lens in which we see society around us. We stand upon the word of God and we declare it boldly. Amen. Are you guys with me? So let's recite it on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Clap it up. Praise God. Spend some time hanging out. Greet somebody that you've never met before.
fellowship today. Sorry, guys, we had overtime fellowship today. Woo! You guys excited to be at Metro Praise International this morning? Come on, make some noise. Look at your neighbor. Give him a high five. Look to your other neighbor. Come on, don't be shy. Say, I'm so glad you came to church this morning. Woo! All right, we welcome all of you here, especially first-time visitors or those that haven't been here in a while. Thank you for coming, praising the Lord with us. It's going to be an exciting service. Here at MPI, we have two services on Sundays, one at 10 a.m., the other one is at 1 p.m. This is our family service, so we have King's Kids in the back for our children, infants who are 11 years old. Awesome time for our children and King's Kids. We have wonderful children's workers who take such good care uh, and, and love for our kids and teaching them about Jesus. And then we have Elevate. Fridays at 7 p.m. every week, 11 to 18 years old. If you're in that age group, you've never been there, or you know people in that age group, you've got to invite them to be here on Friday nights. God is doing awesome things in the lives of our young people. We want high schools all across the city to rise up and say we want to live for Jesus in our generation. Amen? And it's going to start with Elevate. Come on. All right, so we want to welcome you to our uh, service for today. This evening, we're going to have a God and Politics seminar type session. So we really want you guys to take this serious. How many of you guys have been looking forward to this election? Come on. God is in control, and as believers in Christ, we must stand up. And so there's going to be many, many interesting topics being discussed there will be a time for Q&A at the end. It begins at 6.30 this evening. So please make plans to attend. Invite anybody and everybody that you know. And we're just going to be discussing everything everyone is afraid to talk about. So it's going to be a powerful time. And obviously we're going to keep in prayer our country and the elections in a couple days. And trust the Lord that he's in control. But as believers, we must do our part. Then we want to let you guys know that we have a talent show audition coming up for our Christmas service. So if you guys are in 201, a deacon or an elder, please see Pastor Jerry or Adam because auditions are going to be November 20th at 3.30. So mark it in your calendar if you want to show off your talent and do a special performance for our Christmas service this year. Please see Pastor Jerry or Adam once again. November 20th is going to be the day, 3.30, and let's make that happen, okay? Now, they'll give you more information about that if you can't make that day, but those are the ones you must contact if you are really interested in performing for that service. How many of you guys excited about that? Thanksgiving is right around the corner. I love Thanksgiving. So as a church, we always want to make sure we're reaching out to the community. We want to, this Thanksgiving, as an annual practice that we do, to join with Universal MB Church in the west side by Ohio Park to join in their Thanksgiving outreach and really be a blessing to that church, help them to serve their community. November 24th, we meet here at MPI at 10 o'clock in the morning. We'll all drive down there together be a blessing to the community, meet the needs of the people, share the love of Jesus for Thanksgiving, and then we can do our thing with our family, still make our turkey and all that good stuff. Amen? So please make uh, plans to attend. Here at MPI, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Our vision is loving God and loving people. We have a strategy to connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you to life groups. We want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. And then we want to send you out to do evangelism. And then we have a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches in this city and 500 around the world. How many of you guys believe 
that if the Chicago Cubs can get 5 million people to attend their parade, we can have 100,000 disciples in Chicago. Come on. We want to fit. We just want to fill Soldier Stadium, okay? We want to fill up that stadium. So if we know that it's possible. 100,000, I think, is in like a one-mile radius around us. So with God, it is possible. Let's keep living for Jesus, winning souls, and making disciples. So look to your neighbor and say, get connected. Here's a snapshot of the life groups that we have coming up for this week. If you want the full schedule, it's always on your handout. We're coming up to the end of the year, so it's our last quarter, October, November, and December. Kicking it off this week is our King's Kids on Wednesday. We have Infant to 11 Years Old, Royal Rangers Boys Club, and Impact Girls Club every week here at the church at 6.30. Bring your children. Awesome time. Awesome children's workers really pouring it out on our children. Thursday is our gang outreach, 18 years and up. If you want to attend, meet here at the church at 7 and hit the streets. And then Friday every week we have two adult Bible studies, one at the Goveas, the other one at the Vivids, 18 years and up, 7 p.m., Get refreshed throughout the week. Get a part of the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in the Lord and in the word, and get refreshed and get connected. Then we want to mentor you. We have, two, we have a 101 book and a 201 book that we use. And for the 101, it's done one-on-one. Okay, isn't that cool? 101 is, is one-on-one. We have leaders ready to take you through that, to really invest into your life, to love on you, to help you be the disciple that God called you to be. And when you graduate the 101, You'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, because we believe that every believer should be a leader, and we want to equip you to do so, because at the end of that, you could graduate to be a deacon or an elder in the church, where you're going to see in just a few moments people that have gone through the 101 and 201. It wasn't an overnight process. They dedicated their life year in and year out. It doesn't have to take that long, but everybody has their story, their testimony, and when they come out, they come out strong. So you're going to see those mighty warriors today be ordained as deacons because of what God has done in their life and what they've allowed the church to help them become through the power of God. So it's testimony of God's faithfulness and their faithfulness to be a disciple of Jesus. And now it's their turn to go out and get them some. They're going to get them some disciples, right? Then we want to send you out to do evangelism. We believe in street preaching here, street witnessing. Every Saturday from 5 to 8, we're hitting the streets, preaching the gospel to complete strangers. We may never, ever see them again in our whole life in this big old city, or we may cross paths one more time. Either way, it's our responsibility as disciples of Jesus to go and tell them, to go and make disciples. And if we do not tell them, they will not know. So we must preach the gospel and let people in our city know that Jesus is the only way to heaven. So in recap, MPI has a vision, a strategy, and a goal, a vision of loving God and loving people, strategy to connect, mentor, and send, and a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Let me get a hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you guys excited to give your tithes and offerings today? Come on. We believe that a tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly to the church. And then an offering is anything above the tithe. That amount is between you and the Lord. And we designate that here at MPI towards missions and towards building. And so let's get into our giving lesson today. You can find the link on our Metro Praise Facebook page. We're on lesson three, overcoming unbelief. This whole section is about hindrances. A hindrance is something that prevents us from being obedient to God's commands. And how many of you guys want hindrances in your life removed, right? We don't want them to stay there. 
So today we're going to be honing in on the hindrance of unbelief. Let's read in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Woo! How many of you guys want that for your life? Bring in the whole tithe into the storehouse. God's promises are yes and amen. Let's read the main points from that passage of scripture. Number one, do you believe God commanded the tithe? If we don't believe God actually wants us to tithe, then we won't do it consistently because we will look at it as more as paying a bill and no one likes to pay bills. However, if we really believe God commanded us to give 10%, we will joyfully do it. Why? Because we want to please our father. If it's a command, our heart wants to please God, we're going to do everything that he commands us because we know blessings flow because he's good to us. And as we're faithful, he remains faithful to us. Number two, do you believe God will bless your giving? Sometimes we think God is just wanting to play make-believe with us. Thus, we don't pray with faith to earnestly receive his best in our lives. However, if you truly believe your seed will meet your need, then you will give expecting a bountiful harvest from God. And every week you should say, God, I'm planting the seed. I am planting my tithe, my offering as a seed into your kingdom because I know that when the seeds go into the ground, they have to grow and bear fruit. Okay, so if you want your seed to meet your need, it better not be a little weak seedling, okay? Because the more you give, the more you will reap. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you will reap generously. You can't outgive God. Number three, do you believe in heaven? Many people, even Christians, forget that there is an actual place called heaven where God can open the floodgates and pour out blessings. Therefore, if more people believed in heaven, they would store more treasures there than just here on earth. And that's where we want our account to keep increasing because that's where we will be for all of eternity. Here's a summary. Overcome unbelief in giving by putting your faith in who God is and what he promised to do. Three ways you could apply this lesson to your life today. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income and offerings, anything you give after your tithes. Number two, repent if you have not trusted and believed in God's word concerning giving. And number three, ask God to increase your faith for both giving and receiving in his kingdom, and he will do it for you. If this gets you excited, let's recite this confession on the count of three. One, two, three. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the word of God, I will not be hindered by greed, laziness, unbelief, discouragement, or fatigue in my giving to God. I will overcome bitterness, impatience, pride, fear, idolatry, and live a life of obedience in my finances. Let's stand up to our feet together this morning and let's sow our seed. Come on. Again, a tithe is 10% of your total income. Offering we designate towards missions and building. Please put this specific amount on the envelope that you want to get allocated towards each area. Here are four ways that you could give at MPI. Number one, in the bucket during the offering. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. You can see Pastor Griselda today for that. And number four, online with Chase QuickPay, PayPal, or BillPay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Let's recite this verse together. Philippians 4, 19. 
And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for being so faithful to our lives. And we will overcome the hindrance of unbelief by being faithful with the tithe, being faithful with the offering, and trusting, God, that you will meet our needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. We trust you with our finances today, God, and we put it into the ground as a seed sowing our seed generously so that we can reap a harvest, oh God. And we want that storehouse, that, those floodgates to be poured up, out upon our lives, God. We, we are ready for it as we are faithful to sow into your kingdom. Let your will be done in this city through Metro Praise, through the generous people. And we just declare, oh God, that your kingdom will spread through every corner of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Please come forward as you give this morning. And we thank you so much for your generosity. How many are ready for an awesome ordination service? Come on, are you excited, friends and family that are here? We are so proud to do this with you today. Those of you who are new to our church may not be familiar with what we're doing. Our church believes in discipleship, as you just heard in our vision and announcements from my beautiful wife. I'm Joe Y. Rostick, your friendly neighborhood pastor. We've been doing this for quite some time now, and when we first wrote the books and started doing discipleship, we didn't know if anybody would want to do it. As a matter of fact, we had more people quit than actually finish for a very long time. And now even to this day, with 80% of our church in discipleship, either doing the 101, 201, or graduated, it is still a long process. And it goes back to the very teachings of Jesus. This is the ancient practice of what Jesus did. Jesus didn't come to make membership. Jesus came to do discipleship. And so when you look at discipleship, it's not just shaking the pastor's hand saying, I want to be a part of the church. Discipleship is saying, I will learn from my master, from my leader, Jesus, to be like him. And so that starts with that 101 done one-on-one, -on -one. women with women, men with men, young people with young people. And that process sometimes can take upwards of a year. It's just seven lessons. You'd think it could be done in seven weeks if you met once a week. But the lessons get into the heart of the person. What things will hinder you in your Christianity? What areas of unbelief have you not trusted God with? Or what places have you not believed Him to do great things in your life? And it walks them through that. And then it deals with the Holy Spirit and how God wants to have a relationship with them. There are some in this church who have been in the 101 for two years. 
Some of them on average in about a year. And then after that, you go into the 201, which is done as a class, which involves homework. They literally use, we are, as far as I know, the best church in the nation on discipleship for many reasons. And one of them is, when I was getting my doctorate, I applied the educational standards, not to the doctoral level, but to the collegiate level of using the online resources to submit homework and to do the work of discipleship. I I implemented that into the church and I still and I travel all over the country know people all over the country and world and I don't know anyone has done it quite like that so not only are we uh, doing discipleship in the ancient tradition but we are very uh, cutting edge and so the long story short they go into this 201 class that requires them to do like scripture memorization every week and online they have to type it in by memory until they get it right it will not pass them through until they do it right they have to do homework assignments on the lessons right assignments beyond that and some of you are thinking to yourself well thank God I'm not in that class but I believe God wants you in that class and if it's not here you need to go somewhere else and do it I'll just tell you what they're not as good as us okay I'll tell you that right now half kid but listen to me listen to me I want to well come on let's be honest did Michael Jordan know he was the best or what at some point you got to wake up to the reality of what you're doing is good and you believe in it I believe in what I'm doing here and I know pastors all around the world that love what they do as well so I'm just kind of half teasing here it's the best for us, I should say. Amen? And if it's not the best for you, you go out there and find you the best. And then tell them to come over here and arm wrestle me. We'll find out which one. Well, my discipleship class makes me fast for 50 days. Well, my discipleship class, you know, we'll just wrestle it out here. But let me just say this. They go through this process not to please man, but to please God. As a matter of fact, part of the lessons help them get over the fear of man, the fear of not having their homework because someone will look down on them, the fear of not doing well in school because they haven't been, uh, you know, very good in the times past. We actually teach them don't do it for man. And we will hold them back if they're only doing it for us because we're not looking for little robots. This is not Amway for Jesus. We're not trying to sell more vitamins here or more supplements, herbal supplements. No offense to those who do that. But we're not trying to do that here. What we're trying to do is have them fall in love with Jesus and do it for the Lord. And needless to say, today is a very special day, uh, especially for the families that are here to watch these people graduate. But let me just tell you. Those who are graduating today have shown with their tenacity to be those that are willing to go through the process and stick through it. And some of them have done it over a few times, and they didn't do it because they were such bad people. They did it because they wanted to make sure that when they came into leadership that they would do it right. And let me just say this with you as we open up our Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3, that the reason why this church doesn't have cliques, doesn't have its pastors falling into sin, stealing money, and the reason why our leadership is continually above board, meaning if someone is in sin, they sit down, they won't lead in the worship band, is because we believe that discipleship is what Jesus commanded the church to do, and it's the standard for everybody. But what we're doing is we're graduating those disciples who say, I want to be a leader in the church to help make other disciples. And for them to do that, they have to show themselves worthy of that calling. I say this all the time, and I don't mean to be mean here, but since I've already been sassy a little bit, I might as well be sassy right now. I live in a neighborhood that's right by some very large megachurches, and some of the biggest in our nation are right in that area, and there's people who go to those churches. And one time I was talking to them, and I had my Chicago for Jesus shirt on, and they were very excited about what we were doing, and they said, well, you should ask our pastor for help because they love, they love to help churches like yours in the city just reach out to those people, you know, you know those people type stuff. But it's okay. I was being nice to this 
driven woman anyways. She, she said that. But I said, you know what? I don't need his help. You need to tell him he needs my help. Because he has a bunch of lukewarm people in his church, and they're not on fire for Jesus, and they don't go preaching, and they don't make disciples. He didn't say go and make consumers. He said go and make disciples. And that just blew her little mind. That blew her little mind that a little old storefront pastor would think that he could teach so-and-so something. But I could have gotten a lot more sassier than that. You know what I would have said if I had more time and I just didn't want to, you know, want to be more sassy. I would have told her, your pastor can't even be a deacon in our church. The Pope can't even join our 101. I'm being honest with you. Your Pope can't even join our 101. He ain't saved yet. He hasn't repented of his idolatry. To join our 101, you got to repent, baby. You got to say, I want to be saved. It's tight, but it's right. You can say, oh my, oh me, but it's better to say amen. And you see, if you don't, if you don't go through a certain process where you can be filled with the Holy Ghost, get free from your sin, choose to love God and those things. And I'll be honest with you right here. I've traveled around the world and I've met people. Whatever critique Metro Praise has ever had, it's never been about our discipleship. They've critiqued me wearing chanclas six months out the year, and, and I finally had to put on shoes today. They've critiqued me about not wearing suits. They've critiqued me about being sassy and rebuking all their pastors. But what they have never done, and I'll be honest with you, I had a friend from Germany come, and he read my book, and he said, this is amazing. What they have never done is looked at the books, looked at the information, and never found one heretical, unbiblical thing there. They always say, you know what, this, this is right. I've had pastors tell me, you know what, I know I should do this, but it's just, you know, it's just going to take a lot of work. And, I got, you know, I got people already on my board, and, and, and they don't want to do this. And if I ask them to do it, it's going to cause some trouble. Uh, you know, I might just make somebody else do this for me later. I've had them look me in the face and tell me that. I've had people tell me, man, I wish I had a church of disciples. I wish I had that. But you see, this, this is not wish upon a star Disney world. Are you listening to me? This is put your boots to walking where your mouth's been talking. We bought discipleship here. Every time you drive into this church, you're driving into a place that decided to wave the gospel flag. Amen? And so let me just say that with all grace and all love. I, I, I have backed this up. Like I said, my doctoral studies got me around some real highfalutin people. And I said it directly to them. I said, you're a great professor. You're helping us out a lot. But in our church, you wouldn't be a deacon because you don't have what it takes. So I want to tell you how much I believe in this. Okay? You all with me in 1 Timothy chapter 3? Here is, it's talking about deacons. It says, in the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect. Sincere. Brothers, put it up, please. 3, verse 8. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect. Sincere, not indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then if there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. And so we take this seriously. So there should be nothing against our people. If you, if you can point out sins in their life, it should only be in the past or things they have already repented of and dealt with. When you look at the ancient tradition of the Bible, it's elders, deacons, elders, deacons. The previous passage right above this is talking about elders. Here's a trustworthy saying, whoever wants to be an elder or overseer, you see the word right there. Pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and so forth are the gifts that the elders and deacons use. The church has always been and will always be led by elders and deacons. And so when it talks about deacons here, the word deacon simply means to be a servant. 
The servants of the church are the deacons, but they have to be tested, and they must show that they don't want to get drunk on wine. They don't want to pursue dishonest gain. They're not going to bribe people, and they're going to hold the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. Do you understand why some pastors can't be a deacon up in here? Do you understand that? Because if you get on a talk show as a pastor and you can't tell Oprah Winfrey about heaven or hell, I don't care how many people you got in your church, you're a sissy and a ninny to me. You ain't bout it, bout it for the Lord. I want real soldiers for Jesus. Can I get an amen? When you read the book of Acts, which is named the Acts of the Apostles, you see in Acts chapter 9 the appointing of the first deacons. These men laid down their lives for Jesus. They preached and were bold in their confrontation, and they went out and did great works for the Lord. And the ones who didn't die, they went and multiplied. Amen. And they changed the world for Jesus. So our deacons don't deke around. Amen. There ain't no messing around here. This is what a deacon is. This is what the church was built upon. And I believe, and I don't have time to get into it, but I believe the reason why so many of us have lost respect for the church, and I'll be as honest as, as you are, that I lost respect for a lot of so-called churches and leaders, is because this is not being done. But then we get it in our heart that it can't be done. That, oh, because this seems to be so hard, it seems to be a standard so high that nobody can do it. Well, how'd they do it 2,000 years ago? Because some of y'all right now are like, I'm just so busy, Pastor, I can't be a disciple. I just want to be a Christian. Can I be a Christian, please? I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. And then we're like, you, you, the Bible said 246 times to be a disciple, only a few times to be a Christian. But true Christians, Christ-like people, that's what the word Christian means, will be disciples. He didn't just say, check off on your census, I'm a Christian, or be a make-believer. He said, be a disciple, 246 times. So, yeah, can you go to heaven believing in Jesus? The thief went to heaven just believing in Jesus. He didn't have time to be like Peter, Paul, and the rest of them. Are you listening? But I guarantee you, if he would have been off that cross, he would have been giving it up for Jesus. And so sometimes we think to ourselves, we're just so busy. I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy. You know, I got cares, I got a job, I'm even married, I'm just so busy. <laughs> and I just, it's just, when I hear people talk like that, I'm like, would you think I'm not busy? Do you think my dad, a Christian businessman who was a disciple, was not busy in life? Come on. Do you think the people of this church who are police officers, you know, construction workers, you think the elders and deacons, the warehouse workers, the teachers, you think the people we have in this church aren't busy? You don't think we have a life? No, the problem is, my friends, you a busy body. You doing the wrong business. You need to put kingdom business first because God ain't going to bless your mess. God will bless you with the best when you put kingdom business first. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Y'all over here of Zobrist, anybody know about him? He was a Cubs, he's a Cubs player, isn't he? He did some stuff. Why don't you read about how much he loves Jesus? You see, we got people bowing down to the Cubs, but a Cubby's bowing down to Jesus. You see, he knows the truth. He knows the truth. You can't make an idol out of him because he knows I'm just a man. I bow down to Jesus. Praise God. So the Bible goes on to say, it says they, they first must be tested. And I can get an amen from the candidates today. Y'all been tested. Amen. That's why I say it's so special because you guys have really been tested and done it well. Great blessing to the church and to the kingdom. They must first be tested. If there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women, everybody say the same way. The women 
There is the equality right here. And I'm going to get ahead of myself on God and politics, but the church has always brought forth freedom to women and to minorities and to all people. The Bible has always been against slave trading and all of these things. I don't have time to get into it, but the first uh, rally to hold uh, equal rights for voting for women was done in the church. The first people in America to start freeing the slaves were Christians. Reverend Martin Luther King was a reverend. Are you listening to me? It's always been this way in the Bible. Equality. The spirit in the book of Acts says it comes on men and women alike old men and young men there is no ageism here or racism in the Bible can I get an amen so when we ordain the women here in this church we ordain them in the same way as we do the men in the same way the women are to be worthy of respect not malicious talkers but temperate and trustworthy and everything so if they go on Facebook causing a mess we got a problem because we don't want messy people sometimes you want to find out you, 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 you always you're curious to why is there so much problems on my Facebook feed it's because you got messy people on your Facebook Facebook feed. Hide them messy people and you'll see how calm it gets all of a sudden. I'm so serious. You just hide their feed and you're like, woo, this has just changed my life. You got to get around uh, the right people, not messy people. Amen. A deacon must be faithful to his wife, manage his children and household well. And we take that serious. We really look into their families and to their children's lives and that they're doing all that they're supposed to do. Children still have a free will. They can make their own decisions, but that, uh, as, a, as it applies to them, they're doing the best that they can. And those who have served well will gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Jesus Christ. And so they're doing this for us, but unto God. So it's for us, like they will serve in this church for you. For, you, for my family. You know, I can't be in, one, in all places at one time. So when the deacons lead the children's ministry, they're serving my children like they're serving yours. When they help in the youth ministry, they're serving our teenagers. When they're riding, uh, doing our vans and transportation, they're, they're serving us. But they're doing it for the Lord. You know, it, it, it really goes into their account. And so we should pray for them and lift them up, pray for their families and support them. Can I get an amen? And it was Acts chapter 6, not Acts chapter 9. And let me just show you quickly. Put it in there for me, gentlemen. Acts chapter 6, when we picked out our deacons. Are you all about ready to celebrate with us today? We're going to get excited for these that are here. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 and onward. It says, in those days when the numbers of disciples were increasing. Everybody go, what, what? Amen. You see, making disciples is our business, baby. And business is good. Business is good. When you see this right cheer, business is good. Making it rain disciples up in the house. Oh, man, I can't tell you how many times people said, this ain't going to work. You are crazy. You want people to study. You want them to go out witnessing. You And you want them to live holy. This ain't going to happen. You know what I'm saying? This ain't going to And I said, Jesus said it happened before, and it will happen again. You can't hold down the church of Jesus Christ because it's his business. He said, I will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Amen? So I'm not competing next, next to the next mega church that got in, you know, uh, whatever, Katy Perry to come sing her song or whatever they got going on or the next play with, with whatever, you know, in Jesus. I'm not competing with this world. Let them do what they got to do. Up in here, we making disciples and business is good. We multiplying in here. And I pray for every real church. Amen. Every, I mean that from my heart. I'm not here to be all sassy today. I do pray for every real church. We're not alone. Praise God. This is not the kingdom of God in Chicago. Amen. How many know there's more disciples than just right here? Because some people walk out of here, then they'll be like, man, they're a cult. 
They're a cult. They're just, they're just a cult. They put everybody down, the Pope down, this person down. No, I'm not saying we're not the only ones. I mean, we're the only ones. Of course not. I'm just saying that this is what the Bible says to do, make disciples, and disciples were increasing. And then there became a fight. Messy stuff happens all the time. There was messy stuff back then. The Greek Jews were fighting against the Hebrew Jews. They were from two ethnic groups, but they were both Jews. One was from Greece. One was from the Hebrew uh, Jerusalem culture. And it was crazy, and they were fighting over the food and all of that. And so the 12 disciples got together. They replaced Judas with Matthias because Judas hung himself, right? So if you go out and do something crazy, we'll get one more in your place, amen, because the church, like I said, don't die. It multiplies. So the 12 gathered together all the who? All the members, all the Christianese people that go to conferences, all the people who watch Christian TV. I mean, some of that stuff's fun, but what, but what did they gather together? All the disciples. Any disciples up in the house today? Woo! Amen. And they said, it's not good for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. We need some help. Brothers and sisters, choose from you seven men who are able uh, and who are known, uh, uh, excuse me, choose from yourself seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom. And we'll turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to the word and to prayer. And that's what they did. And then just to show you something really cool right here, put in Romans chapter 16, verse 5. Because right there they picked all men. Everybody say men. But then towards the end they started adding the women because this was a mostly Jewish culture that was led by men. But as the church grew, they started adding the women, freeing the slaves, all of those things I was talking about. If you want to see the freeing of the slaves in the Bible, look at Philemon, the book of Philemon. He was a slave. He stole from his master. He ran away. Paul led him to the Lord in jail, and then he sent him back. But as a free man, as a disciple of Jesus, and he told his, his master, he said, abolish this practice and treat him as you would treat me. It's amazing what you find in the Bible. It's amazing when you stop listening to liberal media, put down the Bible, and you actually read the Bible. Amen? Let me show you right here this female deacon. She was awesome. Her name was Phoebe. I commend to you our sister who? Phoebe, a what? A deacon of the church in Centuria. See, you see that they started adding the women as well. Oh, let's get down to business. Y'all ready? As I call them up, I'm going to be taking some uh, cool pictures with them. And then uh, we will pray for them and then have them stand up here at the end and let you all come from your seats and take some pictures with them. Is that cool? Because we want you to have a special moment with them as well. I want to welcome up our first right here. They are a married couple, Juan and Diana, or Diana Garcia. Let's give it up for Albertina Algeria. Please give it up for Iris Santiago. Let me have each one of them testify just for a few moments to tell you what this has meant to them. We'll start with Iris and then just work our way down.
God. Thank you, Jesus. It's a privilege and it's honor. It's an honor to be here today. Um, I th I thank God because when I came in 2013, I was discipled by Cynthia Roldan. Praise God, and it was an awesome time. And I learned a lot. And then I entered the 201, and it I completed three years. Actually, I actually feel like one of the disciples under Jesus' ministry. Um, Praise God. And I learned structured. I learned commitment, constant, and being, you know, just committed towards the things of the God and take them seriously. At first, I did complain a little about the time because it was early. But praise God, now I wake up early, so it's, it's not even a problem. Thank you, Jesus. But it's awesome. I encourage whoever is not involved to get involved in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Praise God, praise God, praise God. This has been five years of my life that I've spent in 201, and I'm proud to say it because it has taught me so many things about myself, about people, about my children, about being a mom, my family, just being a, a, just a human being on this planet, in this earth, you know, in this time, for such a time as this, right? Um, and I have learned to, you know, manage my time. I have learned to be a person of, uh, to be live above reproach, to, to have integrity, you know, not just with, with the leaders of the church, but with my own children, with my very own children, like having that with them and, and my family, and um, it hasn't been easy. It wasn't easy, but you know what? Through each and every single trial, God was there with me. He called me to a good purpose, and he will see me through it, and he's seen me through this time. And um, I don't regret any of the five years. I don't regret any of the times where I couldn't cross that line because I knew that God still had something to do in me, and he still does today. This is just another season. This is just another step forward. I, you know, I haven't made it yet, but God will do mighty things. I just want to share a scripture that got me through um, these years, and, and this is in Romans. Um, 838 it says for I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor death depth nor um, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord and that's what I'll stand by amen Hi, my name is Juan. Um, I would just want to say, <laughs> I want to say that uh, Metro Praise showed that they care for me and my wife too as well. Um, they were there in 101 when we had massive marriage problems. Pastor Joe and the fellow elders, they walk us through it to, to make a life, to live as a holy couple. And then in 201, they, they helped me get on to Bible college. Um, they helped with their support and their references and everything like that. Um, and it just helped me that it was a relationship, not just teaching what they know. They imparted who they were. Like a, a famous preacher said, Glenn Bundowski, he does this quote. But I just want to read first to Lysians, um, chapter 1. Um, Chapter 2, First Corinthians chapter 2, verses 8, verses 7 through 8, where it says, Instead, we were like young children along you. Just as nursing mothers care for her children, we care for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So each one of them, um, 
people that were involved in my discipleship, schooling Jared and the 201, they, they share their lives with me. Um, and that's why a discipleship is not just a program, it's a relationship. Jesus had disciples, and that's why I learned. So I, I, I impart, they imparted who they were onto me to, to mature so I now can defend the faith and grow and not be a baby Christian, but to lead others and pass on what I've learned. Um, when I first came into church, I was not a fan of uh, ministry. My family was not into ministry. We went to church off and on before. So when I met my husband, um, I told him, I mean, we got married and everything, and he took me to his church, and this is where I got saved. And I told him, I know that we are called to Metro Praise. I know that there's something in that church that I love, and we've been here for like almost six years or more. We've been married for almost seven years. <laughs> So we've been there. We've been here this long, and Metro Praise has been there for us through a lot, through my accident, me having a baby, like everything. Like they have been there. Like I cannot explain like how much they have helped us in our marriage and our life. That's all. Amen. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Would you guys turn and face me? We're going to now do the spiritual part of this. We're going to pray for you. I'm going to ask that the rest of the elders and deacons would come, and Pastor Berto and his wife, Griselda, would join me with my wife, and uh, we're just going to anoint you with oil, as the Bible says to do. It's our tradition in the Christian faith to use oil as a representation of the Holy Spirit. We're not giving you the Holy Spirit with the oil we put on you now. We're recognizing the Holy Spirit upon your life. It is already He is already in your life right now. And I just want to say to each one of you, I am so proud of you. I am so impressed with each one of you. Iris, for you to stick it through, coming from another church, learning the ways that how we did it here, and you've never complained, and you were always gracious to us. Thank you. And I pray that God will bless you in many mighty ways. Uh, Tina being a fruit of the ministry, and you not giving up on the things that God was doing in your life. You saw it as what discipleship is, the pruning and the birthing of new fruit. And Jesus said in John 15, that's what we are. We're his vine. He's the, branch, he's the vine. We're the branches. And he prunes us to grow more fruit. And I can see it all over your life with your job, your family. Family, the graduation from Bible college. You're an awesome woman of God. And Juan and Diana, we love you so much. Uh, a unique story about Juan and Diana and then their marriage is that they were always transparent. They were willing to discuss it and to humble themselves. Sometimes people leave a church when things go wrong because they don't want to be around those people who know they have problems. But they could trust us, and you trusted us, and you testified that God showed up in the midst of the pain and the hurt and has made you a power couple, blessed you with baby Elijah, and now, like you said, you're in Bible college and the Lord's blessed you as well as your wife with jobs and just finances. You've come so far from that struggling young man, you know, just, just trying to make ends meet. God has made you an example, and I pray that others will see that. 
All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for each one of them right now. We anoint them with your oil to represent the Holy Spirit's blessing upon them. We pray thou that they will lead and guide and um, be leaders in this church with true wisdom, Father God, and help the sheep find good pasture, Lord. I pray that you will bless them with your spirit in abundance more and more every day as you said in your word that they should drink of your spirit until they are full and overflowing. And Lord, I thank you for each one of their families and their children and even Iris's grandchildren, that Lord, you'll continue to bless them in the jobs that they have, in the places of their employment and work, wherever they go in their community, Father God, for the dreams that they still have, Father, for the parts of their life that they're striving for. I pray that they'll see this as your faithfulness, that you accomplish this, you'll accomplish the next thing. And Lord, I pray as a congregation, we'll support them. If we ever see them stumble or fall or need encouragement, we'll come alongside of them, not give up on them. And then, Lord, we will appreciate them. We will not use and abuse them, but serve with them and appreciate all that they do for your kingdom. And, Lord, we know that they are storing up treasures in heaven with every life that they touch, with every tear they cry, with those who need it, with every ride they give, every prayer they offer. They're doing it because they love you and they love others. Bless them now in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Would you stand to your feet and bless the Lord with me for this graduating class. And then come forward and party with us. Take some pictures. Tell them that you love them. DJ, put that beat up. Come on and tell them that you love them. Take a picture with them. Offer them dinner, lunch. <laughs> Family, don't leave yet. That was just the introduction. We got more coming. I want to see the family and friends stay.
Y'all really like to party. I'm going to wait a little bit before I preach. All right, open up your Bibles with me to the book of John, chapter 4, verse 31. If you're ready for the Word of God, can I get an amen? Amen. We are in the middle of a series on the book of John. Thank you for all the friends and family that are here today. I hope that you stay and enjoy the Word of God with us. The book of John is an amazing book written by the Apostle of John. He's the one that laid his head on Jesus' shoulders during the Last Supper, one of Jesus' top three disciples. He also wrote the book of Revelation in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He's an amazing man of God that lived a long life for Jesus. Now, when we look at our series, we've been going from chapter 1 all the way through. I want to know, did anybody do your homework and read John chapter 3 and 4 this week? Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Y'all don't need to be bribed with 20s, do you? Amen. I talked about that. Those who don't know the inside joke, I said, y'all got to keep up with the series of the book of John by reading it. And I said, maybe I'll give you 20s, but you guys don't need that. Now, today we are in the part of the series where we're learning about the seven signs that Jesus presents in the book of John. Everybody say seven signs. Thank you. The book of John presents seven miracles of Jesus as signs to help you believe that he's the Son of God. Today's sign is going to be a healing. It is the second sign. So it's the first sign that involves a healing. The first sign was changing the water into wine, right? The changing of water into wine. And what that teaches us is that Jesus changes the areas of our life and makes them glorious for him. He changes the empty and the dry areas of our lives. He gives us water there, and then he doesn't just leave it as water. He makes it something beautiful, something very uh, just amazing and wonderful like wine. And wine takes time to age. And so if God is working on you and working out his plan through your life, can I hear an amen? Amen. 
Salvation is complete, but he is still growing new things in your life and developing new things. And today is a healing. Today we're going to learn about the man coming to ask for his son to be healed in John chapter 4, verse 43. Everybody say the title with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Not too proud to ask. That's what we're going to learn about today. If you're with me in John chapter 4, verse 43, somebody say I'm there. Thank you. Let's look at the passage. After two days, he left for Galilee, talking about Jesus. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. And the word there, country, simply means hometown. He was saying a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. How many know no matter how big and bad you get, when you come back home, you still just the sister, the brother, the uncle, the aunt, they, they just know who you are, and they're going to remind you of that. I don't know about you, but no matter how popular I get as a pastor to my friends in Fort Wayne, I'm still crazy, Joe, even though I've learned a lot, I've changed a lot. And that's what Jesus was saying. Believe it or not, he was saying, in my own hometown, they don't see me as a prophet. They see me just as the son of Mary and Joseph. Verse 45, when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they had also been there. Now, Jesus was doing miracles there, but this is the miracle that, that now John is going to point out. So I don't want you to get the impression that at this point in the story, Jesus has not done miracles. Yes, he's been doing them, healing people, but this is the first one John actually describes and talks about. But what we see is that they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival. And how many of y'all who did your homework know some of the stuff that he did in Jerusalem at the festival? What did he do? He cleansed the temple. He threw some stuff around. He whipped some people out of there telling them, you are making my father's house a den of thieves when rather it should be called a house of prayer. So we're not here to entertain you. We are here to teach you, to raise you up, to pray for your nation and to go out and make a difference in your nation. That's what the Bible says we're supposed to do. And he rebuked them there, but these guys seemed to be pretty happy about what he was doing there. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. That's what we talked about last week as the first sign. Now here's where we get into the sign today, the miracle. Watch this. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close unto death. Now those of you who remember when we started the book of John, we wanted you to understand that it is different than what is known as the synoptic gospels. The word synoptic comes from synonymous, meaning they're alike. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all alike in the way they tell the story of Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection. They tell a lot of the same stories in the same way. However, the book of John, which was written later, presupposes that you already know the synoptic gospel, the three that tell the story the same way. He is now going to fill in information that you have not heard before. Thus, 90% of the book of John is new information that neither uh, Mark, Matthew, or Luke contain. All new information, 90% of it. Well, right here, if you've done your homework, some of you might have noticed there is a similar
similar story to this in the synoptic gospels in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The only difference is the man is not a royal official. He is a centurion, and then he sends an envoy or someone to represent him to come to ask Jesus. Scholars have debated whether or not this is the same person, and they're just calling him by different titles, just like people can have different titles today. Maybe they had different titles back then. I come to the conclusion that this is a unique, different story, and the reason being is because in the story that is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels, the emphasis is that he is a pagan, that he is a non-Jewish person, not related in any way to what's going on with the Jewish people. In this story, the idea that John is getting us here is that he's a royal official, a Jew like them in the court of Herod, and that most likely was respected by the people. Also, another difference is that we see here is that it's his son, where in the other one it was his servant. And so uh, we're going to leave it at that. If you want to study more, you can. But I just wanted to let you know as you're reading the book of John, remember 90% is new information. So this man comes to Jesus. He begs him to heal his son. Now Jesus, oddly enough, in verse 48, rebukes the people and says, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will never believe. Now that's an odd statement to say because it seems like they had been receiving him in the previous verses. Where this is where you have to do the dance between this and the synoptic gospels. At some point in Jesus' hometown, they do turn on him. Paul, uh, rather, John here starts off by saying they welcomed him, but he includes this portion right here, but he had said they will not welcome me in the hometown, but it seems like there's almost a contradiction, right? It says he goes into Galilee, Jesus says they won't welcome me into the hometown, or they won't really like me, but then it says in verse 45 that they welcomed him. What I believe John is doing here is kind of squishing the stories together that the synoptics talk about, and then point out one specific healing that did not get told in the synoptic gospel. So thus you get confused. Listen to what I'm saying to you. John is assuming that you understand things did turn bad in his hometown. They eventually wanted more than he was willing to give. They wanted him to be an earthly king, destroy the, the enemy, and start calling down fire from heaven, deliver them like Red Sea miracles with, with uh, Moses, and destroy Pharaoh's army. And, and, and he wasn't doing that. And they turned on him, and now Jesus is rebuking them. So the rebuke to us, if all we know is the book of John, seems odd. Why is it they're welcoming him, a man comes and asks for prayer, and all of a sudden, really, Jesus, out of context, says, unless y'all people see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. Well, where did that come from? That came from some situations that happened that were detailed in the Synoptic Gospels. Those were the two things that were hard for me as a pastor to get through, and I hope I explained them to you well, because I want you to more than just shout and holler, I want you to learn your Bible, amen? So he gives them that rebuke. But watch here. The royal official is not deterred by that rebuke. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Now Jesus answers this man and says, go. Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. Everybody say he took Jesus at his word. Amen. That's a whole nother message that I may not be able to get into today. But just remember that he took Jesus at his word. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday 
at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Verse 53, the father realized that this was the exact time which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed, and now look at verse 40, uh, 54 to tie this all together with our sign series. This was the what sign? The second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Let's just understand the story real quickly here. Jesus is coming back to his hometown after Jerusalem. He says, I'm not going to get honored here. At first they do honor him, it looks like, but some stuff goes down. Then a man comes to him working for Herod. And Herod was over the people at that time. He was a converted Jew and he worked with the temple and was over a lot of the stuff going on. And this royal official comes to Jesus and asks for his son to be healed. Then Jesus rebukes everybody for looking for signs for the wrong reasons. But this man has tenacious faith. He's not too proud to ask and keep asking for his son to be healed. And Jesus says, go, he is healed. And as the man takes him at his words and heads home, they tell him, your son was healed at the exact same time. And John says to his reader, stop and pay attention. This is a sign to help you know about the glory of God. These signs are to help you believe. So let's investigate this sign. Looking to our introduction for today, notes are always online. Oftentimes we miss out on what God has for us because we're too proud to really implore and ask Jesus to meet our needs. In our modern culture, we too often highly, uh, we, we, uh, too often think highly of ourselves and too little of God. I'm going to say that again. In our modern culture, we, too, we think too highly of ourselves and too little of God. We think too highly of ourselves and too little of God. Think too highly of ourselves and too little of God. That was a hard thing for me to say, but I want you all to get that. Tweet that. Put that on Facebook. We think too highly of ourselves, too little of God. How big are your problems? Oh, my problems are this big. How big is God? He's this big. He did itsy bitsy. He did a little, oh God. Every now and then he helps me. Little bitty Jesus. You little bitty Jesus. And that's what we do. My problems are this big. I'm sick. My family's sick. Someone died in my family. Oh, they're so big. Does anybody care? And then we come to God thinking he's this big. He's this, this big. Is your Jesus this big? What, what should it be? Our problems are this big and our God is this big. Amen. Oftentimes, we think too highly of ourselves and too little of God. As a result of our technologies and our access to medicine, we oftentimes neglect to rely on God. Why? I can just go to the doctor. I can just, uh, you know, get this thing to help me. And we, rely, we, we rely upon ourselves instead of relying upon God. And I pray that you can be encouraged to rely more upon God today. Look at Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, God speaking. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, God knows the plans he has for you. Thank you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to what? Send you to hell and make you burn? No, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You see, we have some of my favorite people in the house today. They know about hope and a future. Brandon just asked Nancy to marry him last night at the 95th Hancock Building. Let's give it up for this couple. Would you stand up? Come on, stand up. There you go. There you go. Show off the ring a little bit. <laughs> Amen. See, they know about plans and a hope and a future, and God has all those good things planned for us, does he not? 
And so we look at the Bible, we can trust our God. Well, the book of John is there to help us see the plans that God has for us, for we can trust in them. Here's a review of the seven signs. Number one is changing the water into wine. That shows that God can change us and take our situations and make them bountiful and wonderful. We talked about that last week. All, all messages are always online if you want to go back and check them out. This week, we're learning about the royal official's son, and really what I want to impart to you today is not to be too proud to ask. You need to learn that big to bring to God your big ask. God wants to hear from you what you got. Amen. He likes to hear what you got going on. I could just go somewhere with that, but I'm not right now. I've sung the whole song. I like big. I've done the whole thing before. I'm not doing it today. Healing the paralytic. There's going to be a lesson on that. Y'all got to come back next week. Feeding of the 5,000. Jesus walking on the water. How many are ready to try that at the lake? That's going to be your lesson. How great is your faith? We all going to get on a boat. You next. You're next next you know there's going to be a lesson there believe it or not there is a lesson for us in that sign healing of the blind man and then the raising of Lazarus from the dead here's where John tells us at the end of the book of John why he wrote the book of John with these seven major signs here's what he said at the end of his book to capture your attention and put it all together Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples. So he's like, he did a lot more than this, which are not recorded in this book. But these, these seven signs, the ones that we're talking about, we just learned about the second, we'll learn about the rest. These were written and are written that you may believe that Jesus is the what? The Messiah and the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. How many believe in Jesus? How many have life in his name? Amen. There's nobody like my Jesus. Amen. Now, here's something that I think we need to do is break down this passage in the last few moments I have left. Today is an ordination service. I won't keep you past 3 o'clock, okay? So just give me to 3, and I promise I'll get it all out there. I had a lot more. I was going to keep you to the, to the 6.30, to the God and politics thing tonight. But I'll just, you know, cut it back a little bit to 3. So now until 3, let me break down this passage. I'm just kidding. But I, I just have a few moments to break it down. I want you to get some, some things out of this because it's written for our benefit. And the signs are there to encourage us and to remind us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. So when we look at this passage that he leaves for Galilee and he comes to his hometown and that he's telling his disciples, they're really not going to like me a lot here. What he's teaching us is that in his hometown, people were looking for a different kind of Messiah. But Jesus was just an ordinary guy. And let me, and I can't read all of this, so maybe more look at me right now. What we see as Jesus is oftentimes what, what they were looking for Jesus. Because I know when I watch the Jesus movies, I'm like, man, this guy's kind of attractive. You know, he's got a nice little beard, man. He's got his hair flowing. But that's not what the Bible said he was like in any way. And, and I wish I could have one of my unattractive men stand up and be like, he looked like you. No, but listen to, and I'll point to myself. Some of you are like, Pastor, you better not make that mean. But I'll point to me. Like, I know I'm not no George Clooney up here, Brad Pitt. But we always, like, cast Brad Pitt for Jesus. Like, that's what Jesus looks like. He, he has the chiseled chin. He's an amazing specimen of a man. He's hot, right? He would be in a boy band if he was around today. He would be in NSYNC or something, right? Or what's the new one? Um, the one from Europe, those guys? One Direction. We know who you are. Thank you. Thanks for telling on yourself in church. Pray for her. It's like Jesus is the boy band of One Direction. He's like the cool guy. No, the Bible says there was, in, in Isaiah chapter 53, it says there was nothing about his appearance that would have attracted us to him. 
Nothing about him. He was an ordinary, rugged guy of his time. And I think what they were looking for was like a David, who we know was attractive, or a Saul, who was tall and strong looking, as the Bible says. But he looked nothing like that. As a matter of fact, he was more ordinary than he was extraordinary. You could walk right by him and not even think you were walking by the Son of God. There was no halo. There was none of that. And so what we learn here is that the reason why a prophet, uh, the reason why Jesus said a prophet's not welcome in your own hometown is because they wanted the prophet to be like a superstar, some superhero. But Jesus came to be a man and a servant. He was showing he didn't come to conquer us with his looks. He didn't come to conquer us with his great abilities like shooting fire out of his hands. He came to conquer our hearts. He came to show us what true love really is. And so the application that we get at the very beginning that I want you to get here is that we need to stop looking for Jesus to be who we want him to be and receive him for who he is. And right now, a lot of you are looking for Jesus to be like that Brad Pitt in your life. And Jesus may be walking through some difficult times of your life as a sturdy friend, but you want him to be the, the guy who just parties with you all the time. You know, has on like the, the 70s, you know, leisure shirt, you know, the, the hair is sticking out like he's John Travolta just dancing at the party with you. But Jesus may be that real friend that's going to walk through the hardships with you. And you'll miss where Jesus is at because you're looking for the wrong Wrong Jesus. You're looking for Jesus to come in the wrong way, rather. And I talked about last week Jesus being the life of the party, and Jesus wants us to love and enjoy life. But everything in life's not going to go our way. Everything's not going to be the way we want it to be. And these Jewish people wanted Jesus to do it their way, and when he didn't do it their way, they missed him. Don't miss Jesus in that way. The next thing that we see is that this royal official came, and he begs Jesus. And I really was tempted to... Um, to have kind of like instead of this real like somber picture right here of, of somebody praying, I was really thinking about having somebody being like this, and it was going to say like, ain't too proud to beg, you know, and I was going to have like some sassy thing. But I said, if I go in that direction, y'all ain't going to take my message seriously. But, but really, this is what comes to my mind, is that he wasn't too proud to beg. And, and the Bible says beg, but I chose the word ask because it goes back and forth in the, in the Greek there to what this means, implore as well, uh, entreat. And, and the idea that sometimes we get about begging is that we think that the person's really like just like they're lame and it's like the only reason why you're begging is because you didn't do the thing for yourself and, and, and you're lame and you just really want someone else to do it for you and you're embarrassing yourself. Like, man, don't embarrass yourself. Don't embarrass yourself. You don't have to beg. But the Bible's definition of beg is really more of a, a strong ask, really more of an implore, a, a, a entreat. And so what we see about the royal official is that he could have commanded Jesus or at least tried to get Jesus to do what he wanted him to do because he was in charge of stuff. He was royalty. He was in the house of Herod. He did stuff and people listened. I mean, he said stuff and people listened. And yet this man was not too proud to come to Jesus literally on his knees begging him, asking him to do something. And it wasn't like, I'm lame and I didn't need you to do something. It was like, Jesus, my son is dying and I want you to come heal him, please. And instantly I put myself in this father's position. What would I do if I saw Lucas dying, my four-year-old son dying, knowing that I can't do anything about it, and then I hear that there is a miracle worker coming through the town that I'm close to, what would I do? I would do that same thing, and I know I'm not lame. And I know that I've done everything that I can, so I'm not trying to beg to get out of a ticket. Like, police officer, please, please, please. No, no, it's like, I've done everything I can, Jesus, and it still hasn't helped my son. He's going to die. Would you help him? 
That's what this man is carrying in his heart. He's carrying a humility that says, I don't care what the rest of the people think about me. I don't care if I get my royal garments dirty while I fall to my knees. I don't care what my servants think about me. I don't care what they say about me back in my, my palace or wherever I'm working at. I don't care. This is all I care about. I want my son to be healed. And I just want to ask you, have you ever came to a place in your life where you're just willing to do whatever it takes because you're not too proud to beg and ask Jesus to do a miracle? I mean, have you come to a place like where I was at November 5th, 1995, 21 years ago, where I came to Jesus and I'm like, Jesus, just save me. Just change me. I don't care how you do it. Just do it, Jesus. Or have you been single like I was single for 10 years? And after 10 years of being single, I was like, Jesus, I beg you, I need a wife. I need a wife. Jesus, help me, Lord, help me. I don't want to sleep in this bed by myself again. Some of y'all acting like you ain't like that. Come on. Come on, you have done it. You have done told on yourself. The way you dance at weddings, you know you have told on yourself. You're trying to get it on with that bridesmaid, fellas. You know what I'm talking about? You're making your way over there. Come on. Come on. You have told on yourself, ladies, with your Facebook posts, you know, like all like this and all like this, you know. That's why you hardly ever see a married woman taking pictures like that. Every now and then you'll see a married woman just be like sassy with But it's always the single ladies, you know, it's always... It's always the single ladies in the bathroom, you know, holding it up like this, and then they got to stick it. It's like, I'm thinking about you. I don't know who you are yet, but I'm thinking about you. Fierce. You know? And it's like, you know you ain't too proud to beg on Facebook. You're not too proud to beg at the dance floor, on the dance floor. But when we come to Jesus, we think too highly of ourselves. We think, well, I got it, I got it, I got this. You know, maybe I'll just throw up a prayer, but I don't need to get desperate with Jesus. And the Bible shows us through this sign that there are some things in life that will not change unless Jesus gets involved. And there are things that will not cap he won't capture his heart until you get desperate. Jesus is looking for the person that wants him as the first choice, not the tenth choice. That they really want Jesus. The next thing that we see is that he rebukes them. And here's the problem. Jesus was telling these people, I am doing signs and I want you to believe, but I'm not your genie. I'm not here to be a magician on your call to do things to impress you. I'm doing these things so you'll trust me as I tell you about the things of heaven. He was healing bodies here to show us that one day you'll be healed up there. He was loving people here to say one day there's no more hate up there. You're going up there. Everything he was doing here was showing the kingdom what it's like up there. That's why he taught us to pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So every miracle, every sign, everything he's doing is showing us a taste and a picture of heaven. But they didn't want heaven. They just wanted earthly treasures. They wanted earthly things. And Jesus was saying, it's not about the sign. It's about the one giving the sign. It's about God. And I wonder if sometimes that we let our hearts get distracted when we come to Jesus, even when we do get a little desperate, if we look at him as our personal genie and magician, instead of as is our God and great Savior. Because it's only as we see him as our God and Savior that the things happen. That's why I believe this man, he kept praying and asking God to come, even after the rebuke, because he's like, I don't care if you split the Red Sea like Moses. I don't care if you float on the, uh, the sky, start changing the stars to make it say, hello, I love you. He's like, I didn't come for signs like that for you to prove something. I came because I already believe you to do something. 
See, many of us want God to prove something. I just want God to do something. If you come with that heart for God to prove something, you just get a stiff hand rebuke. Uh-uh, talk to the hand. That's literally what Jesus is doing. He's like, talk to the hand. But there's some dude over here going, man, I, I, I didn't come for that. I came for you to do something. I believe in you. I believe. I'm not there. I'm not, I'm not here testing you right now. I'm really saying my son's dying back there. That's why I'm here, Jesus. And you see those stories all throughout the Bible, don't you? All the crowds are around him. They're arguing and fighting. And here comes a desperate woman just touches Jesus and gets healed. I mean, you see it all throughout the Bible. So Jesus isn't our personal genie or magician. He's our God and Savior. Treat him like it, right? And then the next thing that we see here is at the end, the boy is healed. It was healed he was healed at the moment Jesus spoke the word because Jesus is a person of compassion. And the application that we learn is that the persistence of that man to ask with Jesus in prayer for his miracle and to take him at his word brought him that miracle. You see, he was persistent. He kept asking. And then when Jesus said, it's done, he took him at his word and then he went home and I just wonder right here how many of us are willing to take Jesus at the word at his word the moment he gives the promise and trust him through the process before we see the fulfillment there is a process between the promise and the fulfillment but God's time is always on time so it's like past present and future is all the same to God so when he says something is done it's already done the hundred thousand that I'm believing for in this church that's already done God already knows who they are where they're sitting but he's telling me to take him at his word and go on that journey so when do I see the hundred thousand maybe 50 years from now when did God give the hundred thousand today we started praying for it and you can see that all throughout the Bible God is always saying I'm not tied to your calendar I do things on my calendar but the moment you ask according to my will it's done we don't have to get in this mindset that that we're not good enough that that God is holding something against us God loves to bless us and when we hold him at his word his promises to meet our needs not our make-believe to have our greeds right we're not here to get our greeds we're here to meet our needs right so when Jesus sees that you're praying according to his will for the need he's like you got this and he says take me at your take me at my word and what I want to do is ask you today, are you willing to put these things into practice? Right now, before we go, Vinny, can you come up, please? Thank you for your patience. Are you willing right now to stop looking for Jesus to be the way you want him to be, but to take and receive him for who he is? So if you're here today and you're in sin, you're not looking for a Jesus to say, I'm okay with your sin, because that Jesus doesn't exist. If you're here today in sin, you're going to receive the Jesus that says, I want to save you from your sin. Because I go out witnessing all the time, and people go, oh, I believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus. And I go, well, Jesus said this, Jesus said that. And they go, I don't believe that, I don't believe that. Well, you believe in a make-believe Jesus. It's like, what Jesus are you talking about? You're talking about Jesus that sells in lotes on the corner over here? We're talking about him? I'm not talking about this man. I'm talking about the man here of the Bible. And then others of us, we think Jesus is always going to keep us on a mountaintop every day. But we forget those scriptures that say he will be our shepherd with a rod in the valley. And so when we go through valleys, we get afraid because we don't see partying Jesus anywhere around. But strong shepherd Jesus is right there for us saying, let's go through it. Let's go through this hard time together. One of our pastors just lost her brother, Jerry, in the second service to cancer. And she did a uh, memorial dinner for him yesterday here in the city. And he was a believer. He was a Christian. And as, as he went to get these last surgeries and chemo done, he would wear the shirt of the Lion of the tribe of Judah. 
And he was doing that to say, I'm trusting God either way. But that's hard when you lose somebody you love. I mean, he had children. He was only a few years older than me. He wanted to be there for a long time. But his family loves Jesus too. And so when he passed, they said, God gives, God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And they looked for Jesus at the funeral. And guess where Jesus was? Comforting them in their tears. Strengthening the children to go through life now without their father to be the everlasting father. Jesus was there. He just didn't come the way maybe some thought he would come. So don't miss Jesus in your situations because you're looking for the one that you think he should be. Number two, don't be too proud to beg and ask Jesus to do a miracle. And today we're going to open up these altars at the end without the altar workers at first, but a time for you to pray and worship like we did last week for you to really ask God to do something in your life. To bring him that biggest thing that you're believing for. I have my mother here. My mother prayed for me for pretty much my whole life. But as I got worse as a sinner from 11 to 18, she prayed for seven years. As I was getting kicked out of high school selling drugs, she didn't stop. She kept believing God. Is there any mother here that wants to believe God for their children to be saved? Is there any, any wife that wants to believe God for their husband to be saved? Is there any high school student that wants to believe for their high school to get saved? Don't just throw up a prayer like a quarter to Jesus' wishing well, being like, well, I wish you would save my high school and change Chicago. Come to these altars like that man and be like, Jesus, we have done everything we can for Chicago, and it's not working. It's only getting worse. I pray for you to save. Save these gangbangers. Save this high school. Save Lane Tech. Save Shores. Save Prosser. Save them. Change them. Show them you love them. Don't let them die and go to hell, Jesus. That's what you mean business. It doesn't have to be like an Italian, but be like you. Get real with God. Yes, I'm allowed Italian. I don't know how you are. You, you might be different in personality, but come up here and get real with Jesus. And some of y'all, some loud Puerto Ricans and loud Mexicanos and loud Filipinos. I got some loud people in this church. So don't you let some cub outshout you today. Amen. I love the cubs. I'm glad they won. But don't let them outshout you today in church. You come and give it all to Jesus. He hears your prayers. It's not for me. It's for God. And remember that when you're praying and you're asking God, you're just saying your will be done. I trust you. You got this. It may not come the way I want to, so I'm trusting you. I'm not expecting you to prove it to me by doing this thing. I'm trusting you in how you do it. I'm trusting how you do it. And then lastly, we're going to take him at his word and just keep praying and keep seeking him until it happens. I'm going to take that journey until I hear the miracle has come. I had to take this journey as a church before there was any disciples, before there was any elders and deacons, and believe God, they were coming. And along my journey, some servants have come and said, we got disciples, we've got elders and deacons. Well, when did it happen? Well, it happened, you know, a couple days ago for them. But when did it happen with God? When I first prayed. Because God holds all time in his hand. Are you all with me on that? Would you stand up to your feet and give Jesus a great big hand clap of praise? He's the one. Come on, we're talking about today. Amen. Come on up here, band. Let's get ready to pray today. Amen. Praise God. We love you, Jesus. How would you pray? This is the closing today. How would you pray to Jesus right now if he was the only one that could do a miracle in your life? How would you pray, man? If you knew right now it's either Jesus does it or it doesn't happen, right now how would you pray? Because the truth is, he is your only hope.
That's the truth. Whether we realize it or not, he is the only hope for Chicago. He is the only hope for our terminally ill. He is the only hope for the drug addicted. He is the only hope for the same sex attracted. He is the only hope for the wild and teenager, a wild and young adult. He's the only hope for the broken marriage, for the broken family. He really is. So what's the sign? The sign is Jesus is still answering prayers to those who aren't too proud to ask. Jesus is still healing marriages for families that aren't too proud to ask. Jesus is still setting people free for those who are not too proud to ask. Let's pray right now like it means something. Right now, would you start to pray on your own like it means something? Come on, Jesus. Jesus, we need you. What do you need in this room right now today? What do you need? Some of you need to be saved. You've already heard my wife preach the gospel, but you haven't responded yet. Right now, pray like you want to get saved. Pray like you mean it. Come on, pray like that royal official did. Jesus, save me. Even if you don't know any other words, then Jesus, save me. Jesus, forgive me. Pray him. Maybe you're going through something in your marriage. Pray it out right now. Jesus, save my marriage. Save my children. Maybe you're going through something with your business right now. Jesus, bless my business. Don't let it go down. Help me find a new job for those looking for work. Come on, pray. 30 seconds before we dismiss this service for you and I to pray. We're going to take him at his word today. We're praying right now. Who cares what your neighbor thinks about you? Who cares what others think? Pray like you mean it. I'm not too proud to ask God today. I'm not too proud. I'm not too proud. Lord, humble us. 15 more seconds. Then we're going to dismiss and let you come up if you want to pray and worship with us. Jesus. Jesus, you're the only hope for this city. You're the only hope for our nation. No politician will save us. I double dog dare somebody pray for five seconds like you really care about America right now. Come on, pray like you mean it. Pray like you actually believe heaven can change earth today. Pray. Come on, somebody. Jesus. Jesus. You're the only hope. You're our only hope. Jesus, we need you. I need you. Our nation needs you. My finances need you. Jesus! Woo! How many are going to take Jesus at His word? Give Him a hand clap of praise. Come on. How many are going to take Jesus at His word today? If He promised it, He'll do it. Woo! Glory adios. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. I'm going to ask that my dad would come up and close us out in prayer. Here's how we're going to in this party and start the after party we're going to have my father pray y'all be dismissed we got plenty of refreshments enjoy yourself celebrate with your family and friends the after party will be here at this altar if you want prayer come on up if you want to pray come on up and these awesome musicians are going to worship for us let's give a hand clap for these guys they've been doing awesome dad come on up here you know i used to be so afraid of this man Because he could beat me up, and he never did. He loved me. But one time, I really talked bad to my mom, and he put up his dukes like he was ready to fight. And I ran through the door out of that house. I don't even know how it opened that day. But for the first time, I had to take care of my dad 
like he took care of me. He came here limping off the plane from Florida because now he's a, you know, Floridian. You know how they do that to us. They leave. But he was south-sided for many years. But he comes limping. And I said, Dad, you got to go to the hospital. He wasn't even going to go. My mom's an old, tough Italian woman. She didn't think he needed to go. She's like, you'll be fine. Just walk it off. And the more he walked, the more pain he had. Well, they find out that he broke a part of his toe. He didn't even know it. Because my dad getting older. He's 70 years. How old are you? <laughs> Seven. 70 years old. Amen. But I want to say this to you. This is a man that was never too proud to ask. I remember him doing well in business and he kept asking God to bless and take care of him. I remember when one business didn't do good, he never stopped tithing, taking us to church because he was never too proud to ask and keep believing. I was there when he hit his knees, when he got the word his dad finally passed, his best friend, and I prayed there with him because he wasn't too proud to ask Jesus to walk with him. I've watched him through all these years that I've been alive, 39 years, and I got more gray hair than him. Isn't that something? But I've watched him all these years. I'm just going to ask him to pray for us before we start this after party and some of y'all got to go. But believe with me, God's going to stick with you for many, many years. Amen. Yes, 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 God. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, God. Father, you heard the word. We preached the word. The word was preached, God. Your word was preached. You were edified, God. Holy Spirit, you are welcomed in this place. You were, you were edified, and you promised that if you be lifted up, you're going to lift us up. And we lifted you up this morning from worship to the word. So now, God, we've done all that we could do. We've done all that we can do to honor you, Lord, to be obedient to your word. So now, Holy Spirit, we're just asking that you have your way right here. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you heal the hurts of the people that are here right now. If there's anybody hurting, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you heal those that are sick. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you just begin to minister to those who are, off, who are suffering from some sort of depression, God. I say, oh, those that are dealing with oppression, God, you move in this place as only you can, God. We give you free will right here, free reign, God. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. One more hand clap for Jesus. We love you, Lord. You're dismissed. Have a great week. Those who want to come to the after party, join us up here. Otherwise, have a great week. We love you. You're never going to let me Those who want to ask God, come on up and worship with us. We'll have some prayer workers up here in a minute. But let's just sing it out. You'll never. We're coming to Jesus. God bless those who have to go. Thanks for coming. Never but those who are praying, don't, don't be in a hurry. God is in this place. You're never going to let, you're never going to let me down. You're never going to let, you're never going to let me down. You're never going to let, you're never going to because you're good. Because you are good. Good. Oh, you are good. You're good. Oh, you are good. You're good. Oh, yes, you are good. You're good.
Let's take it from the beginning. Let the king of my heart be the mountain. All the shadow the fountain I drink from. Oh, he is my son. Can you believe that today? Be the shadow where I hide. The ransom for my life. You are able. One more time before we get excited again. Come on, some of y'all got to believe this. Let the king of my heart say it like you're meaning while you're praying today. Mountain where I run. I'm coming to Jesus. He's my only hope today. Oh, he's my song. Let the king of my heart be the 